This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Can you believe we're a week away from Christmas? I'm Santita Jackson, coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about these hostages, these hostages. What happened in Israel? What happened and what are the broader implications for how about the killings? Because this seemed pretty indiscriminate, right? You know, you're half naked, you're waving the white flag of surrender, and yet you're killed? Upon what basis are people being killed? And these were people saying, hey, I'm you, I'm speaking in Hebrew. So let's, let's talk about that. And then, of course, Trump's remarks. You know, what does this mean? What, what is he doing? What is he doing? He's doing something. And the reason that I have not lifted him up on this show, and, and, you know, I've one or two of you asked me about that, or, well, you didn't ask me about it. You were kind of accusatory. That's all right. That's okay. You know, like I really tuned in expecting to hear more anti-Trump talk. One of the things that my parents learned and taught us from Richard J. Daly the mayor of Chicago, the big boss, the prototypical uh, boss mayor in the United States, even today. And he's been dead 50 years almost. You learn never to call the name of your opponent, ever. Because when you call the name of your opponent, you enlarge them. Can you imagine if over the past four years, Trump's name had never been mentioned. Think about it. He would have been a nostalgic. Oh, he's coming back. What's he coming back for? No. What the corporate media did and what many people did was talk about him every single day. And they fed the monster, so to speak. I'm not calling him a monster. I'm just saying they fed... They fed the machine and made him bigger than life. And now he is the leading nominee and he's beating President Biden in the polls. Because you talked about him all day, every day. But these comments that he's making to the voters in Iowa in particular about immigrants, it is dangerous talk. And so I want to know what your thoughts are. Uh, I mean, a lot of things that he's done is, but he's quite, quite frankly, he's very American. And I know many people don't want to hear that, but he has been. He is very, we're having a very honest moment. We keep saying this is not who we are. Oh, but this is who we've been. This is a country that's genocided Native Americans that has enslaved black people, raped them, genocided them, all of that. And it's also the country that's liberated black people. It's also the country that has not lived up to a treaty with the indigenous people. So we're a mix. We're a mix. We are a mix. So let's let's think about that, everybody. Let's think about that. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278 and let me know what you think about all, about all of this. We'll be coming up on StreamYard shortly, but I want to know what your thoughts are. 
What are your thoughts about his attack upon immigrants, upon migrants? You know, it's funny. The most visa overstays in the United States are of Canadians. They're not of anyone but Canadians. But we never, ever, ever discuss Canadians. And they should be welcome. You go to Detroit, you don't know who's Canadian, you don't know who's American. And all the, and the northern border. But the southern border's the problem. And they're the ones who come in here and go to work. Yeah, the yeah. So think about that, everybody. I want to know what your thoughts are today. Call me at 773-763-378. What kind of moment are we having yet again? Have we learned anything, anything from four years ago and from these, from this 100-plus year American project? Have we learned wondering. So I want you to call me at 773-773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. What do you make of Trump's remarks? Um, are you appalled by them? Do you think they're par for the course? Do you think that they will stir up the Democratic base? You let me know. Call me at 773-763-9278, 773 wcpt In the meantime, let us get to some of these headlines. Three hostages, we'll t- be talking about that today, were mistakenly killed by Israeli forces in Gaza. By Israeli forces in Gaza. The men were holding a white flag when they were shot on Friday, an Israeli official said. And they were also, one of them was was shirtless. You saw that he was not wearing any kind of uh, any kind of munitions. They had been captured in the Hamas-led attack on, in Israel in uh, on October 7th, the deaths have compounded growing concerns over Israel's lax regard for human life in Gaza as it wages a punishing war against Hamas militants. Call me at 773-763-9278. I want to know what your thoughts are. Call me at 773-763-9278. How do we get out of this? We've got Secretary Austin, the Pentagon chief, over there today trying to figure out a way out for Israel. That's really what he's trying to do. Rudy Giuliani was ordered to pay $148 million for his false election claims. These two election workers whose lives, they said, were absolutely turned upside down, uh, sued the former New York City mayor, America's mayor, for defamation over his false claims that they helped steal the 2020 election from Donald Trump in Georgia. And mind you, even today, he is not backing away from his statements. Friday's ruling was the first major judgment against someone in the former president's orbit for pushing the myth that vote fraud tipped the election. President Biden, according to this Washington Post headline, is increasingly frustrated by his dismal poll numbers. What do you think he can do to turn them around? Call me at 773-763-9278, For months, Biden has complained to aides and friends about his low approval rating. In recent weeks, he has grown upset about a lack of progress. Most polls show Biden trailing Trump, the Republican frontrunner, nationally and in key battleground states. Now, mind you, that's where you get these electors for the Electoral College. Less than a year before the 2024 election, Trump quoted President, uh, Russian President Putin and used dehumanizing language, mm-hmm, uh, saying that, you know, Africans and, and 
the people from South America are messing up the blood of America. Hmm, what did that mean? Uh, he was describing undocumented immigrants in campaign speeches all week in Southwest Airlines was fined $140 million for its meltdown last Christmas. The airline canceled or significantly delayed about 16,900 flights. The problems were caused by weather and Southwest scheduling system and there were a lot of people who, you know, who don't work for Southwest anymore. They're going to have to really look at um, getting their staff together. What do you think? Call me at 773-763-9278. Are you going to be flying this Christmas? Or will you, after watching what happened with Southwest, will you be, and and other airlines, will you be driving? Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. Let's talk about it. Call me at 773-763-9278. The NFL picture started to take shape this weekend. The Baltimore Ravens became the first AFC team to earn a spot, winning last night in Jacksonville. The San Francisco 49ers won in Arizona to clinch first in the NFC West. The Dallas Cowboys, who lost yesterday, and Philadelphia Eagles also locked up postseason spots with three weeks to go in the regular season. The Eagles are in Seattle to face the Seahawks, uh, and who remain in the playoff hunt. But if Seattle loses, the Detroit Lions will clinch a berth. What do you think? And who you got this year, everybody? Who you got? Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. I want to know what your thoughts are today. They go to Dr. Shanina Knighton. Dr. Knighton, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Santita. How are you? We are in the midst of this holiday season. Can you believe we're a week from Christmas? I actually can. It feels like 2023, <laughs> up, down, turn, swivels. It seemed like it then went fast. Oh, my gosh. It really did. But praise be to God, we are still here. So tell me, what do you That's want hard. us to know? I mean, because in the great thing is, um, well, you know, you see things a little bit differently as a mom, um, as someone who heads up her household. But I think we all head up a household in one way or another. And we're all trying to what get well, stay well, be well. You're hearing about vaccination rates being down and all of that and and but the thing is, even with vaccines, you can still catch uh, these various illnesses. Just talk to me. What do you want to talk about today? Well, I think um, you opened up a very important topic, um, which has come to me multiple times, um, which is people trying to understand why is the uptake rate of boosters and vaccines so low. And what I expressed in talking to the media is that the messaging was all wrong and the education that was provided to people ultimately would lead to distrust. Meaning that if you are selling the message, take the vaccine and you won't get COVID or take the vaccine and you won't get the flu, people have completely missed the message of why they are getting the vaccines to begin with. Vaccines are not meant to be a cure. They are not going to cure anything. They are not going to prevent an actual illness. What they will do is they are put in place to actually reduce the severity of symptoms 
that you otherwise would have experienced if that particular germ was introduced to your body on its own without any defense mechanism. And so when people say, well, I got vaccinated. Oh, you know, if I could interrupt. If I could interrupt you here, remember they changed the definition of vaccine to that during COVID because vaccines, as they as we were told when we were growing up, even when you were growing up, they prevented you from getting polio. They prevented you from getting rubella. They prevented you from getting smallpox. But during COVID, they changed it to suit the COVID-19 vaccine. Yes. I still think the definitions of what they were saying even then when they said prevented was completely false. And the reason why I'm saying that that was false is, for example, when you get a chicken pox vaccine or, as you mentioned, those other um, illnesses that you're describing, what it does is, is it still introduces a weak response like a week the best way to describe it would be almost like a weak variant being introduced to your body so almost like a soft punch before you get a hard punch okay and so your body is still reacting to it but it's an internal reaction that would not have let that outwardly display so for example when my kids unlike us because chicken pox vaccines were not around we just had to get chicken pox and had a chicken pox party well, for them, when they get the vaccines, the vaccines don't necessarily stop them from having, you know, chicken pox. It, it actually builds up their antibodies. So their body is actually telling them that they've had chicken pox. They just won't have an outward display that we've had. And so I believe that what the issue has been is how it's been defined and selling people on the fact that they will not get ill, selling people on the fact that they will be um completely free from being able to get these illnesses as a result of getting the vaccines. And that is what is not correct information. People must know that, for example, even when there was a rush around the COVID-19 vaccine, we were facing a population of 330 million people with less than 1 million hospital beds. And so with that, even if Let's say those hospital beds were already occupied 80% of the time from, let's say, heart failure, from, let's say, uh, labor and delivery. If we're talking about emergency admissions, we can talk about a slew of things, cancer, of why people would go in to be seen. Imagine just only 1% of the population needing hospital beds. That would have already strained the healthcare system. So the theory was is that if they could provide these vaccines, they could decrease the severity of symptoms, which then means that people wouldn't have to be hospitalized and that even if they received some form of COVID, it would be much more milder than what they initially would have received without the vaccine. Why do we have so few hospital beds? Well, that is a good question, but I can tell you that it was predicted that by 2030, a third of hospitals would close because of a lot of the regulatory things that have been put in place. So it's it's multi-layered here. So as you can imagine, we went from a place of where we didn't have electronic health records. Now that we have electronic health records, there was the meaningful use that was put in place that meant that hospitals had to have these things put in place. And there was like three levels of it. Then there was where hospitals had to have these things put in place and that the computers needed to talk to each other. 
Meaning, how frustrated would it be for you to go to one provider within the same system, get care, and then you go to another provider, and that next provider doesn't know anything that you're talking about? So as a result of the regulations, when we talk about safety, when we talk about electronic health records, when we talk about um, a lot of accrediting and regulatory things that have been put in place, a lot of hospitals cannot keep up with that, including HIPAA, you know, and the protections. A HIPAA fine alone for a hospital can be anywhere around $200,000 and up. That's so there's a lot of reasons why hospitals, yeah, hospitals have closed, they have folded, and we've actually found that a significant amount of primary care doctors, instead of having their individual practices, have now folded also into these health care systems. So we don't have as many providers as we once had. On top of that, the baby boomers retiring, you know. On top of that, you know, enrollment being low because we don't have enough faculty to teach. So that's what I mean is really, truly a multi-layer problem. Well, I mean, you just got back from Saudi Arabia, and you see the developing world has a very different approach to health care. I mean, they emphasize it. They're building hospitals. They're training medical professionals, uh, nurses, doctors. Uh, LPNs. I mean, they emphasize that, and we're not. What is up? So the thing is, is the healthcare system just within itself, which has been monetized off of illness, not off of prevention, is I will believe the different factors. So whereas before, instead of the whole notion of preventing people to get sick. It's always been about how do you treat disease and how do you treat illness. So it's treating people very reactive instead of proactive, unlike mm-hmm. some other approaches, because they understand how important it is to be able to keep people healthy. Now, having, let's say, some automatic shift of trying to go into preventative and, let's say, moving away from this illness-based health care system, our infrastructure is so built around our health care system economically, and I think this actually would be a good call, you know, a good talk for our economists, that literally trying to automatically shift the uh, paradigm or the infrastructure actually really could collapse or harm. It could harm the it could harm the dollar because people don't think about how many jobs are actually invested in that. From the people that actually have to sell products to the people that's going to come in and educate to the people that are going to use them to insurance companies, how hospitals' financial structures are are done. That's a lot of things just kind of jumbled all into one that would have to undergo a major transformation. And we're talking about a lot of money lost, unfortunately. And it should not be like that because we should be valuing life more. But that is the reality of what people are dealing with when they say prevention versus treatment. Dr. Shanina Knight and everybody, it seems that we need, as Eddie Kendrick from The Temptations used to sing, a change of mind. We need a change of policy. I mean, what we're doing right now is hurting everybody. Instead of fighting all these wars, why not build some more medical schools and nursing schools, hospitals? 330 plus million people, not even 100 million hospital beds, and that's down from 10 years ago? Come on, everybody. Let's talk about Trump's remarks. He said that these immigrants who are coming here are poisoning the blood of America. Now, he's not talking about Canadians. No Africans, then. People from South and Central America. More of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. We can 
This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-WCPT. 763 you know, I have a new sponsor. We're so excited. We, the station has a new sponsor, and the Santita Jackson Show has a new sponsor. You know, I love to do business with people who want to do business with me, and not just business with me. They want to do business for me. Credo Mobile. Credo Mobile. C-R-E-D-O Mobile.com. Credo Mobile.com. They have spent $95 million, more than that, almost $100 million uh, for progressive nonprofits that work to create a better world for you. So I want to do business with them. I'm glad that they have joined up with this show because I really think they do some special, special work. Couldn't imagine a more aligned partner. Uh, They're the socially conscious mobile company. And don't think that you're not going to get the best service, no, and the best telephones. No, they have the service that's on par with all of the big guys. The difference is they use their profits to help you. How about that? So, credomobile.com, everybody. C-R-E-D-O, mobile.com. They're going to be one of my new providers, I have to tell you that, because I like people who work with me and who work for me. How about that? Credomobile.com. You can call them at 877-346-0516, 877-346-0516. Working to make the world a better place and to keep us connected via the telephone. Everybody, we're going to be talking about these shirtless, these shirtless uh, hostages. Are carrying, and one of whom was shirtless, and uh, certainly they were carrying the white flag of surrender, and yet they were killed anyway. You're trying to free the hostages. Families in Israel are angry because you're saying you're not, Israeli government's not doing enough, and they're not prioritizing, and they're prioritizing the damage that they want to inflict. This is what the IDF said. They said they don't want accuracy, they want damage. And even Ehud Barak, which is interesting, the former prime minister of, of Israel, and a very, very respected military leader, he slipped in an interview with Christian Amanpour and said, you know, well, Israel built a lot of those tunnels in Gaza, so what's going on, everybody? What's going on? What's going on? I want you to call me and let's figure all of this out. But let's start off with election 2024. We are inside of five weeks before before of Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire. I mean, we're here, everybody. And President Donald Trump said that uh, immigrants are poisoning, as he put it, quote, poisoning the blood of our country, poisoning the blood of the country. He said um, they let, I think, the real number is 15, 16 million people into our country. When they do that, we get a lot, we got a lot of work to do there, uh, poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison uh, mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just two or three or four three or four countries. They're from Africa, Asia, they're from all over the world. They're the problem. It's very interesting. You know, when you go to Detroit, you don't know who's Canadian, you don't know who's American. We never talk about Canadians. And the most eat visa overstays in the United States are from Canadians. I'm not upset upset with anybody. But we do have a broken system, but what do you make of the president's remarks. 
Um, got a tremendous panel on here who's going to talk to us about it as we talk, as we pivot into what happened in what's happening over in the Middle East, killing unarmed hostages, waving the white flag of surrender. If you have the white flag of surrender, what's what else can you do? Dr. David Gibbs, historian from the University of Arizona, Dwight McKee, social scientist, and uh, Bryce Green, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, Reverend Dr. Todd Geary. Let me start with you, Dr. Gibbs, your thoughts about um, about Trump's remarks as we go into the 2024 season. Well, yeah, Trump clearly has been saying things that are extremely disturbing. I mean, he has a, obviously a talent for saying things that are disturbing. Uh, the poisoning of the blood of the country, uh, that, that's, that's certainly reaching a new low, I would say. Um, and um, yeah, admittedly, the political tensions in this country, the breakdown of civility has been widely noted. Uh, I, it's, it's true on both sides, but Trump clearly does stand out in that respect. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and, and every reasonable person should condemn the use of language like that. Um, I, I think he is nevertheless speaking to something that um, the Democrats and the mainstream really need to be aware of, which is I think the issue of immigration is a very explosive issue. And uh, I've been surprised living in southern Arizona, the extent to which um, there is a lot of hostility to the idea of open borders. Um, you know, when I hear uh, AOC, who's somebody I, I, I contributed to her organization, and I was very enthusiastic about her, but she's a bit tone-deaf on this issue. She calls for the abolition of ICE, uh, the Immigration Service, and that's a wildly unpopular thing with most people. And, um, you know, the Democrats have gone a little bit far in the direction of, at least verbally, um, you know, advocating, you know, little restriction on immigration. And, you know, in principle, I can understand that. The problem is most of the country, I think, does not want that. And so Trump is um, he is seizing on an issue that has some degree of traction here, even if he's doing it in a very ugly way. Um, and um, so I don't really know the answer to the policy. I mean, in terms of the verbal issue, I think condemning Trump is, is certainly the thing people should do. Um, but there is the larger policy issue of what do we do with immigration, uh, again, for most people, I think they see this as a threat to their jobs. Uh, there, of course, there are racist issues involved, and Trump definitely addresses that and stokes that. Um, but there's also the economic issue many people feel in terms of uh, competition for resources. I mean, we've seen, for example, progressive mayor and uh, the mayor in Chicago uh, has, has openly been complaining that uh, you know immigration basically – the arrival of immigrants in Chicago is taxing social services. The mayor of New York complained about the same thing. So there is a serious issue underlying uh, Trump's revolting statements. That can't be denied that this is a, a substantive issue. Hmm. So, what, Bryce Green, your thoughts? Is Bryce there? Okay, well... Uh, yes, no, I'm here. Uh, okay. okay. Well, I, I do... A- uh, I agree that it is a substantive issue and that people project a lot of their anxieties about other aspects of the economy onto immigration. Uh, and, of course, they, they project a lot of their anxieties about the culture writ large onto immigration. You know, the culture wars, we've been hearing that term loom large in American discourse. Uh, a lot of it stems from the fact that people are seeing changes in their world and they're not really uh, 
adapting to them, and they're not really prepared to have to adapt to them. Uh, and, you know, that's understandable, uh, even if you set aside the, the virulent racism at the heart of a lot of these sentiments and Trump's comments in particular. Uh, but it's understandable f- to see that uh, if people are under a lot of economic stress and they're at a legitimate risk of losing their job and they're uh, there are powers that point to a scapegoat in immigrants. It's understandable that uh, that issue is going to be such a hot topic. Uh, however, the issues of immigration, though the reason why people are immigrating, a lot of that has to do with a lot of these foreign policies that you know you and I talk about on this show all the time. It has to do with the fact that America's uh, capitalist mode of production is extracting so much wealth so much agency from the global south that people find that uh, those areas are no longer livable, that they're run by gangs, that they're run by, uh, you know, tin pot dictators who don't have their best interests at heart, but who do have the interests of global capital at heart. Well, this has a cascading effect, and people tend to leave areas where their prospects aren't uh, secure, where their future isn't guaranteed, where their children's future isn't guaranteed. And so they come to uh, places like America, where, you know, prospects are a lot better uh, relative to where they come from. And so a lot of these issues are structural, and they're not talked about in that way. It's mostly talked about as the us versus them, usually in the racist language of, you know, the uh, the pure white Americans are being uh, overrun by the barbarian hordes, the brown-skinned, the swarthy hordes. It, it's, it's a tale as old as time, but especially now in our political moment, it becomes as essential as ever to have a to give people a clear understanding of why the things in the world are happening to them and why it's useful to react with compassion rather than hatred. Mm. Let me go to Noel. We've got several calls before I come to you, Dwight McKee and Reverend Dr. Yuri. Noel, what's on your mind today? Yes, uh, Santita, uh, what the fellow just said that was on your show, well, I'm sorry, uh, you're not on the right I'm listening to a different, yeah, no, I was listening to it. He said we, the, the people have to know why. That's the secret. You know, all the press tells us what's happening your people tell us why. And if you don't know why, nobody can solve the what's happening. So we need your message out. I think I called in last week and said, we have to get your message out to more people. And the next day you said, you have a website. I went on the website and you're, mm-hmm. I can listen to your show again. And that's perfect. So um, this is great. I have so many things to say, but I know you don't want me to take up your whole show. But, you know, that's why I want you to speak, the, the news is saying uh, Biden's cross-selling opponent is, well, you, your show has told us why he's supporting uh, genocide. And all the Muslims know it, the voters, all these are, you know, all these people know it. So that's why they're not, they don't want to vote for him. It's obvious, but you won't hear it on your show. I'm going to have to get off because I've got so much more to say, but you're just amazing, Santa. <laughs> You are so well, I think I think it is important that we examine the why, um, and um, you know, and and fairly. But you know, let me go to Pam. Pam, what's on your mind, sweetie? Thank you so much for calling, Noel. Good morning, Santita and panel. Good morning. Good morning. Um, what's on your mind, Pam? Yes, I thought about Santita when you said um, Reverend Jackson said you 
really don't mention the name of your opponent. No, 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 no. And, me, no, no. I said okay, sure. Mayor Mayor Daly taught okay. my mother and father that you mm-hmm. do not mention one of the great teachers they had was their great opponent, Mayor Richard J. Day, Richard J. Daly. And they learned from him. And now they taught us. That's why it's important to give to have the context. You don't mention the name of your opponent because you blow them up. Okay, well, okay, that's okay. I can understand that, but mm-hmm. I think in the case of, let's see, out on bail, Trump, that's a fact. Uh, prison inmate number P01139-5809, Trump, that's a fact. And if we talk about convicted, uh, I think, well, found liable of sexual abuse, Donald Trump, then I have no problem mentioning his name, but it seems to me that the the um, the press doesn't want to do that. Well, see, they you want know to what? give I him a title. It's not mentioning formal. his name. This is this. Let's engage for a hot second. I'm, That's because I, I want to. No, 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 no. I'm not cutting you off. I want to engage you. I didn't say not mentioning his name. I'm saying all they've done is no. Hold on. All they've done is call his name. It's like there's a difference between Diana Ross and the rest of the Supremes. They became yeah. a nostalgia act because no one talked about them. But you yeah. kept mentioning Diana Ross. She kept doing movies. She kept releasing albums. She kept having hits. So she is still at, at 80. She's at the center of popular conversation. And what I'm saying is by bringing up Donald Trump, he could, if you know what, People always ask you, well, what is Reverend Jackson doing? Reverend is at work every day in a wheelchair with Parkinson's. When the press don't want you to be relevant, they will eliminate you from the conversation. When they want you to be relevant, they mention you every day, even when you lose, Pam. No, I understand that, Santita, but what I'm saying is, I'm just asking, give Trump his proper titles. If you're they going won't. to call him Thorne. And they're not. Well, and that's that, part well, of the that's game, what we too. Need to, well, we need to encourage them to. We need WCPT hosts to do it. If he's no, been, I, if let he's me tell you what I'm not going to do. No, no. It's, my it's thing is, because you know what? He, he's he's, fact. No, no, he's out on are bail. Facts, but, you, but you know what? There are also facts that there are also hearings on Biden. You want me to talk about that, too? Because I, I have, have no balance, problem with that, because that's what they okay. do. I have no problem with that. You know what? I only have two hours. So what I want to do is talk about poverty. I want to talk about billions of dollars that we are sending. I have to make some decisions every day. And you all let me know by your listenership. No, I'm just, I'm just explaining to you. Because I'm just one person here. One person trying to speak with, to, and for you. Okay? So I ask every day, hey, you know, what can I, you know, what do you want to talk about? What do you think, what do you think is relevant? And some people think that. $4 billion just about, well, $3.8 billion off the top to Israel when we have no say over how our money is spent and it's being spent on a genocide. Well, they want to talk about that. And I just think that, I just, I think that we're being gamed here with Trump. That's just my opinion, Pam. But stay right here. Dwight McKee. Mm-hmm. Because Dwight well, said something that was so brilliant. Yeah. He said, why turn a what? State, don't leave, Pam. Why turn a- I turn a mouth into my uh 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 uh. Why turn a martyr into a monster? Why turn a monster into a martyr? Yeah, right. 
But what I want to deal with, I want to start with this area. And how Pam, Pam is always relevant to me, and I understand what she's saying uh, in terms of give them the whole title, give them the whole resume, if you do call his name. Um, this, this, this mentality, this immigrant mentality is so uh, arrogant and arrogant. This pure bloodline and the presumption of racial superiority is at the heart of both what's happening over here on the immigration side and what's happening in Israel with the, uh, the Palestinians is that this bloodline mentality, that there's a pure bloodline. I mean, Trump has been married. Most of his women have not come from the United States. They've come from overseas. They're immigrants. In fact, his third wife talked about her whole immigration story the other day to him or to, to the immigrants. Dwight, he's barely here. His family's from from overseas. He's barely got here himself. Trump is not even his real name. And so when you, the the presumption that somehow because they have this purest bloodline, that they therefore are different than anybody else who are not pure white, you know, blonde, blonde hair, European, is at the heart of most of the problems in the world, to be honest. And, you know, there were no white people in Chicago 200 years ago. No white people. And that's why it's called Chicago. And that's why it's called Illinois. And and not our way. There were no white people here. And so to take to assume that the people who lived here got displaced from here are now immigrants and is a problem is a presumption. To take people who you take them off their land, they protest. And because they protest, now you think you have the right to kill them because now they are a nuisance is a sickness. And you're not willing to compromise or not willing to explain your situation. You just feel like you have the right to Canada and the right to Australia and the right to South Africa. What needs to be examined, if anything needs to be examined, is why these Europeans feel like they have the right to just take anything that the planet is theirs and they are somehow superior to anybody who does not, who is not them and don't look like them. It's Hitler all over again. It's the same mentality. It's a chosen people mentality. We need to put, we need psychologists and theologians to really, really look at this. I mean, to make Jesus white, because the only God you can serve has to look like you. There's something profoundly sick about your thinking thought processes. Pam, don't leave. Reverend Dr. Yuri, I've got two minutes before we go to break. I think it's clear if we just sit for a minute and just listen. You hear that? Yes. 
everybody, okay, that's a dog whistle. <laughs> and the, 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 the dog whistle is designed for the dogs to hear. There's, there's a response, there's a tapping in that Trump is beginning, as he did before, into uh, the rage of certain white people who typically have been disaffected by the political process and have not engaged. And all he's trying to do is get them in a place where when they get ready to vote, they're not looking at down ballot. They're going to do what we call single shoot. They're ready to just go pick his name because they believe he's defending their cause. He always says, I'm here for you. Then this tapping into the fear that immigrants from the southern border are going to somehow displace their place on uh, on the on the social strata is exactly what he's doing. And so in the course of understanding how this thing works. If we look at the history of immigration, immigration has always been tied to a labor need. If you go back and look at the, the immigration of the early 1900s, that was mostly, if not all, Europe trying to get in in the middle of the industrial economy. As we shifted to needing to be able to feed ourselves without driving up the price of being able to feed ourselves, we started needing cheap labor. Cheap labor from the South doesn't have labor protections, doesn't have union participation, doesn't get health insurance, any of that. And so part of this is by the design. On one hand, we have a need. On another hand, we have this fear of displacement. And Trump is blowing this. You hear it? The dog whistle to make sure that they're able to respond. And so at the core of this, Trump is recognizing that there is a disaffected class in politics that he can tap that other folks have ignored and he's coming directly at the message that resonates with them which is fear of racial displacement. It's what Big Brother Dwight just said. It's not new. Frances Cress Wilson told us about it when she wrote the ISIS papers. Let's be really, really clear that there is still a deep resentment. We see it coming from the Supreme Court in terms of backing down from affirmative action, racial enforcement, but we also see it from the disaffected class of everyday white people, and that's who Trump's going after. Well, you know, let's talk about that today, and let's talk about what happened in Israel. How is it that, you know, you're looking for the hostages, families in Israel are very upset. They're like, you know, the government is not doing enough to get them back. Whatever deals you need to cut, we want our loved ones home. Okay, well, three were released unarmed, one was shirtless, all waving the white flag of surrender, speaking in Hebrew, and they get shot and killed anyway. What? Jimmy Rothschild is with us. We're so glad that you're with us from If Not Now, but joining Dwight McKee and Reverend Dr. Tondieri, Dr. David Gibbs, and Bryce Green. We've got a lot to talk about. Stay right there, Pam, so we can engage during this commercial break. More of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want to hear from you today. Meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita 
Jackson and Friends Facebook page. We go to the YouTube channel. That's where that's where Facebook said they want everybody to go to migrate to, if you will. We've been talking about Trump's comments about migrants, but now we're kind of switching over to these hostages who were either left behind by Hamas or they were able to escape. The story is not quite clear, but we do know that three of them, the three, these three young men are dead. Having waved the white flag of surrender, one of them was shirtless. So you knew we didn't have munitions on him. What happened, and what is the nature of that fight there? I mean, is it just shoot to kill? Is that why we have 19,000-plus Palestinians dead since October 7th? Not to mention the many, 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 many more under the rubble. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? It's... We've got to talk about that. Got to talk about that. Now the secretary of, um, really, the Pentagon secretary, Austin, is over there today to sit down with Israel to ask him what their plans are. You know, what are your goals? Because now America is under a tremendous amount of pressure because the world is looking at us as the sponsors of this, as the sponsors of genocide. And uh, I want to hear your thoughts. 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let's get to the headlines, everybody. Uh, three hostages were mistakenly killed by Israeli forces in Gaza. The men were holding a white flag or holding white flags of surrender when they were shot on Friday, according to Israeli officials will dig down on that story in just a few minutes. Rudy Giuliani was ordered to pay $148 million to uh, these two election workers who said their lives were turned inside out, upside down, death threats constantly. And, um, and Rudy Giuliani, for his portion, is holding on to uh, his accusations, his false accusations, that they were passing drugs and on and on and on. Racially tinged, tinged really racist ac- accusations and attacks upon these two black women. President Biden is increasingly frustrated by his dismal poll numbers, according to this Washington Post report. For months, Biden has complained to his aides and to friends about his low approval ratings. In recent weeks, He uh, has grown upset about a lack of progress. What do you think are driving these ratings? Is it Israel? Is it uh, the fact that, you know, while on paper the economy is better, actually people don't feel it? I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 32 degrees. It will be sunny. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 24 degrees will be the high in the NFL. Wow. Who's going to be at the Super Bowl? We don't know, but these are some exciting games. The Ravens 23, the Jaguars 7, the Bills 31, the Cowboys 10, the 49ers 45, and the Cardinals 29. The Eagles will be playing the Seahawks tonight in the NBA. The Bulls will be facing off against the 76ers. The Timberwolves will be facing off against the Heat and the, in the NHL. The Canucks, well, they bested Chicago 4-3. to three. And the Wild will be playing the Penguins tonight. As I shared with you in the last half hour, the Santita Jackson Show has a new sponsor. We're so proud to be aligned with them. And they're a new sponsor for the whole radio station. Very, very excited that they are aligning themselves with us. I love doing business with people who not only want to do business with me, that means they respect me, but they also uh, contribute to causes that helped me. Credo Mobile. CredoMobile.com. They're the socially conscious mobile phone, mobile phone company. They have spent more than $95 million uh, 
and they've donated them to progressive causes. Now, that's very, very important because, you know, many of us think that those who donate to progressive causes will give us inferior products. No. They have phones and coverage um, and plans that are on par with the big guys. The difference is the big guys don't really contribute to you, but CredoMobile.com does. So I want you to do do yourself a favor and call them at 877-346-0516, 877-346-0516. Give them a shout-out. Go look, listen to their plans. Look at their phones. They have the best of everything. More than that, they have your best interest in mind, having spent more than $95 million in on progressive causes. they I love to help people who help me, and I'll help you help me. How about that? And they're going to keep us connected to credomobile.com, C-R-E-D-O-Mobile.com, C-R-E-D-O-Mobile.com. Call them at 877-346-0516. Let's talk about what happened in Israel. It's just absolutely tragic, quite frankly. It's just tragic. Um, you know, as Biden is worried about his poll numbers, and he ought to be, because uh, even though he's not facing any opposition in the, quote, Democratic primary, close quote, because nobody, everybody's been squeezed out, except Dean Phillips. wonder how he's going to do. We'll see. We'll have to see about that. Um, no debates. Mm, that's and Donald Trump's not attending the debates. Mm. Well, uh, there are hostages in Gaza who were killed uh, while carrying white flags of surrender. What do you think about that, everybody? Now, these are three Israeli hostages. The story is not clear whether they were left behind or whether they escaped Hamas. But we do know that they were shot and killed on Friday by Israeli forces. Uh, they were shirtless. Um, they were waving the white flags of surrender, and they were shouting in Hebrew. And yet they were shot and killed. Your Tom Hayim, Alange Shamriz, and Samir Talalka. Uh, to, what happened? So let's talk about that. And what does that say about the nature of this, of how the IDF is conducting this war? I mean, are they just indiscriminately killing people? Remember the IDF said at the beginning of this that they were not looking for accuracy, they were looking for damage. And now you have more than 19,000 people, at least on top of the rubble, who've been killed. We don't know how many people have been trapped under the rubble, how many corpses there are under the rubble. We do know that Gaza, uh, it was said several years ago that Gaza would be the worst place, uh, the most unsafe place for children. Now it is officially the worst place in the world to be a child. Worst place in the world to be a child. Seventy percent of those killed have been women and children. Who does that? What's going on here? And you've got these Israeli families pleading with their government, just bring my people home. I don't care what deals you need to cut. Because most of those Palestinians who are in the jails have not been charged with anything. They were throwing rocks. The kids. So... You know, we are joined by Jimmy Rothschild of If Not Now. We've, of course, got Dwight McKee. We've got uh, well, Reverend Dr. Yuri had to leave us, Bryce Green, and Dr. David Gibbs. Let me start with you, Jimmy. Jimmy Rothschild, what is this? You're carrying the white flag of surrender. Isn't that supposed to mean something? Yeah, I mean, I think you were exactly right uh, in your introduction, Santita, when you said that... Uh, you know, this underscores to 
groups that I think have have haven't been getting through to people enough. Um, and one of those is that there is little to no care for civilian life being exhibited by the IDF here, right? It is indiscriminate violence. The vast majority of those 20,000 people plus who have been killed have been civilians. Um, and that you have these soldiers who are firing on people who are obviously surrendering is not an aberration, right? This is part and parcel of the IDF's tactics and strategy wait, in wait, Gaza wait, and wait. beyond. Don't, don't go past that too quickly. You're saying what happened with these three young men and the kids. You said this is not an aberration? It is in that it is not any different than what they have been doing so far in Gaza, mm-hmm. right? They have been targeting civilians. Okay. They've been targeting people who are unarmed. And the fact that they that these hostages were killed is part of that pattern, right? Because they were they didn't okay. whether or not they knew who these people were. Like they knew, like you said, they were shirtless. They were clearly unarmed. They were clearly surrendering. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think I think this is this just lays the fact that they turned out, unbeknownst to the soldiers who were firing on them, that they turned out to be their own countrymen, right? makes it more newsworthy, makes us pay attention. But it makes me think how many of these 20,000 were also unarmed, and we know that that answer is many, 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 right? I mean, and basically, who were holding up their arms, surrendering. I mean, that's what's, I mean, people who exactly. tried to return exactly. back to northern Gaza, that's what's happened to them. How Exactly, exactly. So explain um, and, and what, that, what are the IDF doing? Know, I mean, what, what, what is driving that kind of those kinds of actions? Is that their philosophy? I mean, what is this? I mean, I think it's the philosophy that you know that that, that what's underlying that, that the hostages are an excuse, right? And this is a tragic representation of that 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 there is no real care by the Israeli government. For the actual hostages, they saw this horrible situation happen on October 7th. They saw these 200 hostages get taken back to Gaza, and they saw an opportunity to commit genocide and ethnic cleansing in Gaza, which had been a goal of the Israeli government for years and years and years, since they pulled out of Gaza 20 years ago, right? They want that land. They want that territory. They want... um, they want yes, to expel or kill the Palestinians who are there. They saw an opportunity. They don't give a. Sh- they don't care. Not myself. <laughs> right there, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about the hostages. The hostage families, like you said, they've been out there for for the eighty days of this conflict, saying, "Bring our people home. Do what you need to do to bring our people home." Um, and the fact that they just, you know killed them in such a such a visible fashion, these three young men, um, shows it's never been about the hostages. If it had been about the hostages, every IDF soldier would have known these are the faces of these 200 people. These are who they are. This is where they are. They have the intelligence. They know. They have to know. Um, but it's not about the hostages. It's about exerting power. It's about extending the settler colonial project that is Israel into Gaza and to the West Bank um, to, to, to grab that land, to grab that power. 
Dwight McKee, you've always asserted that this, it appears that this October 7th attack has been a pretext to seize Gaza's gas, oil, land, as, as Jimmy Rothschild just said. Dwight? Yeah, and what the hostages didn't need was a white flag. What they needed was red hair, like the other hostages, because then they would have understood that these weren't round people of no consequence, that they had the right to shoot regardless of. Had they had red hair, they'd understood that somehow these are more European hostages and don't have you don't have the right to kill them at will. I think uh, Rothschilds is right directly. This has always been a pretext for genocide. They don't care about the hostages uh, being sacrificed. I think those who they believe can be saved uh, is a, you know, is value added. But if you have a choice between killing the multitude of Palestinians and saving a multitude of hostages, I think to die is in that they're willing to do whatever they need to do to uh, to slay those people who are in their way to take their land and their resources. And the world should call it for what it is. Only the American press keep making excuses for what's happened over there in painting a more dignified picture of this genocide, this mania, this uh, maniacal need to kill and to to uh, seize all of the assets and all the resources and to drive these people into oblivion. Only American press keep, keeps talking about how this is a defensive maneuver and and paint these people as collateral damage. You kill women and children, and then your justification for it is, well, actually, I was, you know, shooting at a building. They happen to be there, and they're only collateral damage. These people are war criminals. They're barbaric, and and the world needs to say so. Bryce, your assessment of how the American press is handling this, because... Dwight, to Dwight's point, when you look at the press, when you look at the portrayals of what has happened here in international uh, in international media, it is quite different, and particularly in the global south. Bryce Green. All right. Well, it's quite remarkable in the Western press. Every time that there is a blatant example of Israel having uh, disregard for civilians and disregarding the laws of war and actually specifically targeting civilians, everyone in the Western press asks, like, oh, well, how could they do this? Well, if this is true, this should be seriously investigated. Uh, but they don't bring in the fact that this has been a longstanding policy of Israel in all of its wars. I mean, go back to 1948. Go back to 1967. Uh, go back to the, all the operations in Gaza prior to this. Uh, the disregard for civilian life and for the laws of war has been part and parcel of the Israeli way of war. If you really want to take a look at this, go back and look at the testimony from the various soldiers on the ground during the last operation inside of Gaza, Operation Protective Edge. And they'll pretty much say uh, exactly what we're seeing now. 
they'll say that they had orders to shoot anything that moves, that this is a free fire zone, that any object you see here can be considered a combatant, and that there are no laws of war here. And, uh, you know, they, uh, you see the same thing now. There was just a report in Haaretz, uh, the uh, Israeli daily, uh, about all these telegram channels that are sprouting up uh, when Israeli soldiers are posting videos of themselves mutilating Palestinians. And, uh, you know, they say it pretty explicitly. They say that they're exterminating the roaches. Uh, you know, that sort of rhetoric is just a hallmark case of genocide. Uh, but every time that clear evidence emerges, the Western press seems to act like it's novel and that it, it's an aberration, that it doesn't follow on the old trends, and that they're really sure that Israel would never do something like this. It's pretty ridiculous, the mock surprise that they have. It's not serious. They understand what Israel is. They understand. They see the same numbers we do. They see the same videos of people being buried under the rubble. They understand that Israel's policy has been to target its hostages. Uh, they understand that there is a thing called the Hannibal Directive, which encourages Israeli military not to regard the hostages as worth protecting. That's a common tactic among the American military. But you don't hear that here. Here it's uh, the people are very... They're being misled, and it seems to be an effort to confuse them, to obscure reality, to make it seem like Israel is doing all it can to limit civilian casualties. You hear that line all the time. Uh, but the reality is clear. And the more and more American media try and hide this, the more and more people start to distrust it. Uh, the more and more people see through other media that, uh, that the Biden administration is fueling some of the worst atrocities of the 21st century. This is in our name. This is blood on our hands. And the American media seem hell-bent on keeping that from us. Mm. Dr. David Gibbs, have a couple of minutes before we go to break. It's definitely been, been seeing very um, disturbing, yes, one might say even genocidal language coming from Israeli officials at multiple levels, including in the government, especially in the government. Um, you know, just uh, yesterday in Haaretz, there was um, uh, an article about uh, an Israeli local official who spoke in unbelievable terms. He said, what we need to do is empty Gaza, um, send, um, uh, send the remaining inhabitants, I guess the surviving inhabitants, to Lebanon, and um, make the whole place look like Auschwitz. Yes, you have to kill, wait Auschwitz. a minute, could you believe that? Make the place yeah, look like Auschwitz? That's what, what he was said. He That's what he said. I, I, I mean, I mean, what was he thinking? Yeah. I read that I almost fell out, and no one in the American press yeah. even talking about that. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Have, have you ever been to Auschwitz? I said, this is one of the most horrifying places on earth. Are you for real? Mm-hmm. What kind yeah, of, I mean, it's like, did he woman. learn, did he learn anything over there? I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, it was heartbreaking. And you know what, yeah, Dr. Gibbs, yeah. my heart was broken because I said spiritually he is so out of the loop. He's so out of touch. Yeah. And, you know, there's no yeah. social promotion with God. You know, if you don't get the lesson, God sends you right back into a situation so that you will learn. And that is what's heartbreaking and frightening. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's um, it's very disturbing. Um What's going on? And in the language, it's, 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 it's matches 
but not just some aspects of what Israel is doing. And uh, you do indeed get a, a policy here to make Gaza unlivable. That is what is going on here. And um, you know, the killing of the three Israeli uh, hostages, I think, that reflected a, let's just say, a certain trigger happiness in part of Israeli forces uh, and a certain indiscriminate nature of the use of violence. Um, and uh, in this case, uh, killing uh, Israeli citizens. Um, and so what we're seeing here, I think, is, um, well, let me say that the most important issue for me as an American citizen is what is my country doing about this? And what my country, the United States, is doing about this is enabling the whole thing. Um, the United States is enormous leverage on Israel, uh, and it's not using that leverage because it is essentially endorsing and enabling what Israel is doing. And the criticisms, the very mild criticisms you're seeing coming out of the Biden administration, um, I, I suspect they're just cosmetic, just a way of, uh, you know, alleviating a concern internationally as well as concern uh, among young people who are demonstrating against Israeli policies. Uh, but I don't think it's, it's, it's a real, it, it has no credibility because um, there's no threat of cutting off aid to Israel, which is really, if the United States were serious, about doing something about Israeli atrocities, they would cut off aid. By the way, I don't think there's any justification for the aid at all, I mean, apart from what Israel is doing. Um, there really is no justification for America subsidizing Israel's military, as it's been doing for 50 years. But it certainly is especially outrageous. When Israeli, Israelis are talking openly about turning Gaza into Auschwitz. I mean, how can the United States support that? Hold that thought. Let's talk about it on the other side. Back in just a moment on the Santita Jackson Show. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Boy, oh boy, if you want to get some great conversation, you need to meet the Morning Stars. The Morning Stars, because we have been talking about uh, these young men, these hostages, who were on their way home, waving the white flag of surrender, and yet they were killed by the IDF. Huh. Just a complete contempt for life. Uh, and it's just, this is, and then, you know, you hear uh, this dis, this discussion. Uh, David, what is it? How do you pronounce his name? Is it Azulai? Uh, Jimmy Rothschild, he's the head of the Machula Council, and proposed sending all Gazans to refugee camps in Lebanon and uh, to make the whole Gaza Strip uh, become an empty museum like Auschwitz. I mean, what? what? What is that? Yeah. Who is he? What is it's, that? It's it's horrifying, is what it is. And I think you know you had said earlier, you know, it it made you almost fall out of your chair, and I felt the exact same way. Um, I think that uh, you know it it shows how corrupting, right? This project of colonialism is that that Israel represents, right? That that you can have people a couple generations removed from Auschwitz itself than saying Oh Jimmy, are you there? 
Ooh. Okay, no, we'll, we'll get him back. But, you know, he was making the point, Bryce Green, that just a couple of generations removed from Auschwitz, and it's like he, there's a disconnect, Bryce. Right. It's a... Uh People often make the comparison between the fascism of Nazi Germany and the fascism of America. Uh, but, you know, it's often said that Israel is sort of America's little brother. And in a lot of ways, America or Israel reflects a lot of the tendencies that we see today in America ramped up to the extreme. I mean, we talk about white nationalism here in America, the belief that America should be, you know, for white people. Uh, only of European descent. Uh, in Israel, they have uh, almost the exact same ideology, except instead of white people, white supremacy, it's uh, what Israeli organizations call Jewish supremacy. This idea that Israel is only for uh, the Jewish people and their descendants. Uh, the ideology justifies a lot of the violence and destruction and hateful rhetoric that we see in Israel. And it goes to the extreme that they're appropriating symbols of the Holocaust, like the Auschwitz Museum, uh, one of the great tragedies of our time. And they're saying that we want to be like that. And, you know, there's a reason that, uh, you know, they will sneer their opponents as anti-Semitic. It's because anti-Semitism uh, brought some of the most horrid atrocities in uh, world history. Uh, and there's a reason why uh, the... International Holocaust Remembrance Association, the, the IHRA, they made a definition of anti-Semitism that equates comparing Israel to Nazi Germany as anti uh, to be anti-Semitic. Uh, even if Israel is putting millions of people in a concentration camp, murdering them indiscriminately, trying to implement a regime based on racial supremacy, uh, if anyone calls that uh, for what it is, fascism, well, the IHRA definition allows them allows people and institutions to go after people who make the comparison and label them anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. And so you have this perverse defense mechanism built in to the Zionist ideology, wherein people who criticize it and call it out for what it is can be called anti-Semitic, can be called bigoted. It's an abuse of language, it's an abuse of history, it's abuse of pain, uh, but that's what we're up against. When we're fighting for Palestinian rights, when we're fighting against Israeli apartheid system, uh, we're also fighting against the uh, pop propaganda war, the Hasbara war, the public relations war, uh, of all of these symbols being appropriated to justify this, this horrible ideology. It's a, it's a staggering situation. Jimmy Rothschild, you, your phone dropped. You were making your point as we uh, look at these comments, you know, that, you know, after you level Gaza, after you get everybody out, uh, to make the place, put a build a fence around it and make it look, mm -hmm. make, it, make it look like the Auschwitz Museum. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I was, I was saying when, when we got cut off, it's, it's horrifying, it's horrifying as, as someone who who has ancestors who who were killed there um and as as many of us are and you know i think we're seeing the thing that gives me hope is uh in in this moment is seeing how the the, the growing movement of jewish people here standing in solidarity with palestinians right that this is not these people do not 
they try it. Well, just like um, my friend was just saying uh, a moment ago, there there are elements within the community trying to say any criticism of this is anti-Semitic, and there is a, a, a growing element within the community saying absolutely not. We reject these definitions of anti-Semitism. We believe that that, that the solution to Jewish safety is not putting other people in danger, but it's solidarity. You know, we just got through with Hanukkah, the eighth night of Hanukkah. There were eight cities throughout the country or more where they shut down highways, they shut down bridges, um, including here in Chicago and in Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, to say, listen, we these people do not speak for us. Um, and, and we need to just keep hammering that home, keep hammering home. You know, there's, there's this idea, I think, I think part of what's behind this, right, is this idea that this fear, right? It's a, it's a reaction from fear that, that this horrible thing happened to us. We need to be in this position of, of, of power over others to make sure it doesn't happen again. We're told, you know, that the Jews are unsafe and, and that is true, right? Anti-Semitism is real. Rising anti-Semitism is real. And, and we get told by our community that the only solution is total assimilation or is, or is you know, Zionism and power over others, right? And it's, it's doing to others what, what was done to us. And what that leaves off the table is a solution of solidarity, of fighting alongside marginalized people in the United States and around the world, immigrants, black folks, Palestinians, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to fight capitalism and white supremacy, which are the forces that are really holding all of us back, right? And so when I see things like that, like like what this gentleman said about Auschwitz, when I see people saying any comparison to this is anti-Semitic, when they're making the comparison themselves, what I see is Nah, man. Like we got, we got to do something different, um, and um, and and seeing the growing number of people in our community who are who are coming along with that um, is is really hopeful. Well, you know, it's shocking. This is this is an Israeli mayor. I mean, he's an elected official. I'm trying to understand the thinking there, and is there pushback mm. well, in Israel <laughs> against what's happening in Gaza? Because, you know, when you see everybody every night coming from Tel Aviv, you know, in different spots in Israel, it looks like everything is great. People going to restaurants, they're having, you know, they're living their best lives. While these people on the West Bank, they're killing the people on the West Bank, so that's what the settlers are doing, and and the people on in on the Gaza Strip are being slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Well, well, when well, no, hold on, Dwight. I, I, hold on, Dwight. I wanted to, just before you get there... I mean, do you have any relatives or friends over there, uh, Jimmy? I, mean, I, have, I have friends to tell you. Some, you know, I, th- I, think I have less than a lot of other Jewish Americans, and I think that's part of why I'm able to just be like, not, <laughs> not forget that mess. Um, but, 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 you know, you know, you said this is an elected official. We know, we know very well that, um, you know, just because someone's elected official doesn't mean they're a good person. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, no. there is a lot of this. We know that there's a lot of this sentiment, this genocidal sentiment throughout Israel. There's a very small, active, anti-imperialist, anti-Zionist Israeli left. 
Um, and I know a few of those folks, and they're trying really hard, but they uh, have an increasingly uphill battle as Israel every day and every year moves further to the right. Um, I also really appreciated that you brought up what's happening in the West Bank as well. I think people are forgetting about that because of what's going on in Gaza. I have some friends who live, Palestinian friends, living in the West Bank. I was over there a couple of years ago. Oh, 2019 was five years ago. Now that is upsetting. I was over there five years ago. Um, uh, spent a couple of weeks in the Southern West Bank with, with some Palestinian folks and saw the way that not only the settlers, but the settlers in combination with the army and the government are engaging in this process of making the West Bank unlivable for Palestinians through small daily acts of terror, right? Um, you know, harassing children on their way to school, burning crops, etc. cetera. Um, and that is increasing. And they're, they're, you know, we've seen in the last two, three months, even more increasingly um, acting with impunity because this 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 project of ethnic cleansing is not just about Gaza. It's about the West Bank, too. These people want the whole, they want everything between the river and the sea, and then they turn around and say that people who want liberation and freedom and equality from the between the river and the sea, that's, you know, you can't say that that's anti-Semitic when, when, when their goal is subjugation between the river and the sea. Um, yeah, it's it's just absolutely crazy. Dwight McKee, you were saying before we go to the callers. Yeah, I was going to say even when we talk about Auschwitz and the Holocaust, it's in racial terms. There were millions of people killed. There were non-Jewish in the Holocaust, but the only ones seem to have value in our conversations are Jewish people that were killed. We're not talking about a home state for the gypsies. Millions of them killed. We're not talking about a home state for homosexualities. For homosexuals, many of them were killed in the concentration camps. Most of when we talk about the Holocaust, we make it a Jewish phenomenon. And that's not historic. There were a lot of different ethnic groups uh, killed in the Holocaust. Uh, and that's why I said that this racial purity is always at the center of this. Is it only has value if it's me. It only has value if it looks like me. It only has value if I can trace it in my bloodline. That's the real evil when you don't see people as your brothers and uh, in, in, in other brothers in humanity and sisters humanity as you see you as a superior species. And anybody other than you as somehow inferior and not worth saving. It's a mindset that has to be addressed. Let me go to Renee. Renee, what's on your mind today? Good morning, and thanks for uh, taking my call. I'm glad uh, Mr. McKee just said that because, um, yeah, there were other people who were killed, including some Africans who were in Germany. But... um, in response and in to Africa. what Bryce Green said, uh-huh. oh, genocide in Africa. Um, in response to what Bryce Green said about uh, them being like our little brothers, I would say to me it seems more akin to like them being our children since we have so many 
people with dual American and Israeli citizenship over there, and I've seen on Democracy Now!, people from the Bronx forcing Palestinians out of their homes in the West Bank. Those are our people. And Netanyahu's father taught at, was, was it at Cornell or some American university? So Netanyahu had some experience in this racist country, which may have influenced him to do some of the racist things he's doing over there. And I just want to say Girl, what's scary in, is that for so long. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you know he grew up in Philly in part? Wow. Well, didn't they bomb? Was that Philly where they bombed some black people? Oh, I can't yeah, remember. It, it was, was in it was, Pennsylvania. It was, well, it was a black mayor who did that. Wilson Good, the first black mayor. Yeah, that I, had. I, I but know. But also, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, uh, which lets you know the depth of the human problem. But also, Philly has had substantial racial tensions. Mm-hmm. You know, America, so, so, America, yeah. Chicago. <laughs> Come on. But can I say one more thing, Cynthia, course, before I have to get course. out of my car? <laughs> okay, I, I just want to say how scary it is that for so long that people have been afraid to criticize, legitimately criticize things that were going on because they feared being labeled a certain title that I don't even want to say right now. And any time that you fear that you can't stand up for what's right, that's just dangerous because things are only going to get worse and you'll end up with 16,000, 18,000 innocent people killed when you didn't speak out on October 5th or September 4th um, about what was going on. Democracy Now! shows what's going on there and around the world all the time. I just wish the corporate media, oh, but they're corporate, they're not going to show us the truth if it's against mm. their interest. But <laughs> thanks for taking my call. I enjoy your shows because they're so informative and you're so brave. And I appreciate that. And thank you and uh, thank all of your uh, guests who tell the truth. Bless your heart. You know, and I th- thank you for calling me brave. I don't know if I'm brave or or just the world's greatest simpleton, but I just believe that um, that God has already won. And on my on my great getting up morning, I want God to say, you know, my darling, my daughter, you tried. That's that's it. Because you know, at the end of the day, my, I've learned in my own church experience only what you will do, Dwight. Because we grew up in the same church, only what you do for Christ will last. And I know that Dr. King is more relevant. Oh, my goodness, I can get emotional thinking about this. Thinking about his last year on earth, and it was hell on earth for him. But you can kill a person. You can't kill an idea, Dwight. He is more relevant today than he was April 4th at 5.59. Wow. Dwight? Yeah, in particular, righteous idea. And, and 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 he was a righteous man because he operated with righteous ideas. But at the heart of righteousness is a sense of brotherhood and a sense to believe that every man's life is as, va- as valuable as your life. It was the most profound lesson of Jesus in the, in the, in the Good Samaritan is that the Samaritans were perceived as a despised people and yet, it was a Samaritan that reached out, that 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 reached out and helped one of his brothers in spite of everything that was happening around him. And so, we really have to elevate our thinking to a level that we begin to understand 
that the value of a Palestinian baby, the value of a Navajo baby, the value of an African baby, the value of an Irish baby, are all equal in God's sight, and they all have the same value, and they all need to be protected. They all need to be nurtured. Uh, and that has become our new mentality, as opposed to one particular people because their hair is blonde or because, you know, they are seven, six, six feet tall or because they have, you know, uh, speak a different language, mm-hmm. that somehow they have the more rights and more value than anybody else. And that transcends race. Transcend ethnicity, transcends culture. That's about all God's mm-hmm. children. There are there are no children of a lesser God because there's no. only there's only one God and He's not lesser. Well, maybe it's time for us to put supremacy to rest. Maybe that's one of the great lessons of this moment. I mean, it's just it it is an idea that never ever ever should have gained traction. But it lets you know, uh, Jimmy, that this is this is not this is not the way. It's not the way. I mean, witnesses say that the IDF went walked into a school and executed women and children. I mean, what's wrong with you? And even the UN is saying that humanity must must prevail in Gaza. Wars have rules. They're not playing. They're not playing by any rules. They're just killing people. They said they were going to do that, and it's just mm-hmm. wrong, Jimmy. You get the final word here. Last minute belongs to yeah. you. No, actually, we have well, a few Well, I just minutes. appreciate so much here. that, yeah, I, I appreciate so much that, that, Dwight, that you brought it back to the children, right? Um, uh, if I can get personal for a second. My, my daughter was born on October 6th, so mm. right before everything happened. And we Wait were a minute, in, just now? We were in the hospital. Just now, yeah. God bless She's you. She's sleeping oh in the next gosh. room. What's her name? Um, you don't, do you want to say it or no? Yeah, her her name is Ruby. Oh, bless your heart. She's she's sitting in the next room right now. She's asleep. But but we spent the first eighteen days, the first two and a half weeks of her life, we were in the hospital with her. She's fine. But okay. you know, she was born a little early, needed a little time cooking. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thank you. Need a little extra you are, time. You are a stitch. But but go continue. <laughs> <laughs> but um. <laughs> To bring it back to the show, to be there at her bedside in the hospital or to be holding her when all of this was happening and when, especially when news was coming in about attacks on hospitals and attacks on on NICUs and seeing these babies in the hospitals in Gaza with horrible things happening to them, right? There's, There's something that when you're holding your own baby in the hospital that's just so, hits you so deeply, right? And makes you just forget everything else other than our priority has to be protecting the babies and protecting innocent people. Um, just as Dwight said, whoever they are, whatever they look like, whatever their background is. And, and I think you're absolutely right, Santita, too. Like, if there was ever a moment that we could take and, and, and use and pivot to saying we got to move beyond these these racist, these supremacist mindsets, we got to pivot to a mindset of solidarity that this is that moment. 
I think so. I mean, the, this whole idea of supremacy, I've always felt was crazy. It's not crazy, it's bad-minded. And it leads us to genocide. It leads to death always. Because if, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's exactly. three-fifths human, somebody's got to be seven-fifths human. Someone's got to be subhuman, somebody's got to be superhuman. It does, that's just not true. It doesn't work. I mean, how could God be God and do something so crazy? I mean, that, that, that thinking is way off. Um, well, you know, Dr. Gibbs, I've got about a minute yeah. here, and then I'm going to have a, well, just under a minute for you and just under a minute for Bryce. Okay. Um, I think, again, something I want to come back to is the issue of what America is doing in this conflict uh, in, in, in that the United States is enabling Israel to uh, engage in these kind of horrific mass killings that they're doing. Um, it's enabling Israel to be um, doing these mass killings run by a government that is openly using phrases like um, human animals um, and causing as much destruction as possible. And um, uh, it's American aid that is making all of this possible. And the United States could, at a moment's notice, cut off that aid uh, on account of the fact that it's being extremely poorly used with, with, with horrific consequences. And you know, I, I think that uh, you know, it's time that America, the American public uh, should speak up on this issue and insist that um, you know, this not be done. You know, you've had the, you know, um, members of the Jewish community on your, on your uh, program basically discussing you know, what the Jewish community is doing to uh, criticize Israel. You know, the many younger Jewish uh, people who are criticizing Israel, but I think not only Jewish people, but People of all religions in this country need to object to this being done with American money and in America's name. And it really needs to stop. It needs to stop. 30 seconds for you, Bryce. I just uh, want to reiterate what was just said. Uh, If people want to get a closer, more honest look at what's going on, take a look at the English language Israeli press. They'll talk more openly about Israel's policies, about Israel's brutality. Uh, sometimes you'll see more insane things, like uh, like reporting of con- uh, elected officials calling for Gaza to turn into Auschwitz. But you'll see a more uh, realistic picture.